Hello, my name is Dan Stanton and I am the editor of Bioprocess Insider. You are listening to the latest episode of the Bioprocess Insider Expression Platform. Now, this episode was recorded at Biotech Week Boston back in September. Um, First of all, a slight apology because after speaking to my guest and boasting about the prowess of my Sony dictaphone, I put it on the wrong setting. So the sound quality is not the usual high audio quality that you would expect from this sort of podcast. However, the interview was great. It was with Killian O'Driscoll, the director of projects at Nybert the National Institute for Bioprocess Research and Training. And so I played around with it as much as I could, tried to get rid of some of that background convention centre noise, and I'm hoping uh, it won't be too painful on the ears. Ignoring the sound quality, however, the conversation is fantastic. We spoke about Ireland being a hub for pharma manufacturing since, well, going back all the way to small molecules in the 60s and 70s, going all the way forward to the present day, where it's one of the largest global hubs of biologic manufacturing and a growing region for cell and gene manufacturing. We also spoke about how Nybert has gone beyond its Irish shores and has spread its training programme and uh, ethos across the world through various collaborations and partnerships. And of course, we spoke about the uh, relationship Nybert has with vendors and how vendor-led technologies and innovation are being incorporated within their extensive training programmes. So sit back, relax, and listen to Killian O'Driscoll, Director of Projects at Nybert. I think we first met uh, back in 2013, 2014, when I was lucky enough to come over to Ireland and visit Nybert. Um, that was kind of early days in Nybert. So uh, to start us off, do you want to kind of tell us um, how Nybert came about? Sure, Dan, yeah, but it's just it's great to see you again. Um, so, really, the the genesis for Nybert probably goes back to the early two thousands. Because, um, as you know, the within Ireland there's a long tradition of pharmaceutical manufacturing companies having invested there, nineteen fifties onwards. And but what we started to hear from our client base um, in the early two thousands was the very strong emergence of biologics. Uh, that therapeutic supply chains are still very strongly focused on the importance of small molecules, but a rising importance of biologics. Uh, and obviously, biologics are complex to manufacture, still a relatively new industry, uh, workforce development is a key criteria. Um, around that time, then, Wyeth um, made a very large scale investment in Ireland. It was a $2 billion investment at that time to build the world's largest integrated biotech manufacturing facility. 
Was that down in Cork? No, it's in um, Grange Castle, Grange Castle which, is, right. which is West Dublin. So it's now uh, it's now Pfizer. It's now kind of a key part of the Pfizer network. But at that time then, so everyone was delighted that Wyatt decided to invest. Um, and then they went to market and they were looking for 2,000 operators, technicians, engineers, quality staff with biopharma manufacturing experience. And to be frank, they, they, they weren't in the country at that stage. Uh, they probably weren't in our near neighbours, the UK, and they probably wasn't within the whole of the European Union. Um, so government decided to make a strategic play that if they wanted to really be a centre for biopharma manufacturing excellence that we needed to have a national institute that would look after workforce development and also look after manufacturing research to drive efficiencies in biopharma. Uh, and that was the kernel of the idea to establish NIDRT. Um, so the inward, the foreign direct, uh, the agency in the Irish government was responsible for attracting foreign direct investment took the bold decision that they were going to fund the establishment of NIBRT very significantly with 60 million euros. Um, we started construction of the facility in 2009, opened the doors of the facility in 2011, and we've been delighted with the, su the success of NIBRT since then. Um, each year we train around 4,500 people. Um, we have a global partners program now where we have excellent partners in Philadelphia, Canada, Korea, China, Australia, and more to come. Uh, and in parallel to that, then, the industry in Ireland has really grown very strongly. Um, so since we met in first time in 2013 to now to the present day, there's probably been in excess of $10 billion of capital investment in new biopharma manufacturing facilities in Ireland. Uh, and the latest figures are that there's anywhere um, about 40,000 people directly employed, uh, with probably the same number again indirectly employed and the pipeline is very strong. So this year, or in the recent past, Lily have made a very significant investment for their new Alzheimer's product. Uh, Horizon Pharma are moving from a virtual pharma to building their own manufacturing facility. Uh, MSD are investing again in um, vaccine manufacturing capability uh, and many others. So it's really gone from strength to strength. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the way up manufacturing has gone in Ireland, it's followed the market trend. So as you said, it was originally um, Small molecule focused, um, moving into the biologics with the wire, for example, there and uh, the, the hundreds of millions, billions of um, euros of investment that came after that, and now into the cell and gene therapy space. But I'm curious to know why Ireland became such a hub for farm manufacturing in the first place. When you know, I'm from the UK, which has always had always been a, a strong R and D. Uh, centre for the industry, but never had that sort of manufacturing prowess. But how did or why did Ireland jump into that gap? Yeah, so it was a very targeted decision. As you rightly say, the UK have just a, a wonderful history in research and development in pharma, in, in biopharma, um, and very strong uh, universities and clinical systems, etc. Um, so when um, the Irish economic strategy was being developed. We said, well, where could we really target an industry that we could be successful and that we could grow, we could develop it, and pharmaceutical manufacturing, what was that? Um, so what's kind of been the secret of the success? Um, people often talk about kind of four kind of key components. Um, first component is a very business-focused government policy and environment. Uh, and that's everything from availability of key government decision-makers, 
uh, to planning legislation, to the having advanced facilities available, ready to go, being pro-industry focused in your economic and your fiscal policies. So that's the foundation, that's core. Um, secondly, what we're seeing um, really over the last 10, 15 years, and, and now accelerating even more, is the availability of talent. So that access to talent, particularly in advanced manufacturing, is a key recipe for success. And you know, there's some really great talks this week. You know, Boston is a fantastic hub, a fantastic example for how to, to create a, a really impactful cluster. Um, but we've heard from a couple of organisations about the challenges that Boston region and the wider New England region is experiencing in that uh, attracting, developing, and retaining talent. So that's a that's the second key piece. Um, the third key piece is the kind of the wider ecosystem. So what are the broader supports? What's the research community like? Uh, what's the availability of technology? What are your engineering services companies like? We're very fortunate in Ireland that we've great companies like you know EM Group, um, Zenith, DPS Engineering. Uh, we started off um, being service providers to the companies within Ireland, but have now grown into being really strong international brands. So we can build and operate and manage our facility. And then probably the fourth kind of key thing is is the track record. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, Ireland has been growing its pharma, biopharma industry since the 1950s. Key clients like uh, MSD, Merck, uh, Lilly, Pfizer, Sanofi, others, they don't just invest once, they invest multiple times because they've had a positive experience. Um, and a very strong record, very strong regulatory record, um, of compliance of sites kind of moving up the value system becoming multi-product sites and now as you say um, getting more and more into more complex areas of advanced manufacturing looking at digital transformation looking at sustainability and looking at advanced therapies so it's those kind of really kind of those four main parts make an attractive proposition I think. And those heritage clients that you say um, that just reminds me of Stories I've written about uh, MSD plants, for example, on the small molecule front, um, uh, shutting their doors because of the patent cliff, because of generics and such. And it's always, for a brief moment, um, uh, trouble in Ireland because this Irish plant is going to close its doors because MSD doesn't want it anymore. But then very quickly something else comes along and weeks later it's MSD is now investing in biologics in Ireland. So um, it's the market is very robust from the manufacturing space but as as these companies move from small to large to now sell and gene, uh, one thing that you touched upon there is um, the the workforce and I guess there needs to be a a degree of reskilling or skilling up, um, retraining to allow these workers, allow these engineers and technicians to um, be able to produce these new modalities. And I believe that's something NIDA is is very focused on. Um, Yeah. Tell us about the retraining programs you do. Yeah, no problem. No, you're right. We've seen some really great examples of companies, as you say, heritage clients with um, great expertise in small molecule, whether that's, for example, Eli Lilly down in Kinsale, uh, BMS and Swords in Dublin, MSD with, with some of their plants. Um, and as some of those plants kind of change their focus, um, we've worked very closely with the local side leadership teams to help them identify talent and then 
help those people with really excellent skill sets in pharmaceutical manufacturing make the transition into, into biopharma manufacturing. Um, so we have a wide range of programs that can help people who have maybe many years experience in small molecule to help them move across into biotech. Um, but also there's some great programs for people from outside the sector, for people with limited experience, uh, to help them train, to have successful careers as operators, technicians, and, and, and move up the, uh, the employment chain that way. So there's some great programs um, yeah, at a European level as well. There's a particular program that um, we always like to mention called Springboard Plus, um, co-funded by the European Union and by the Irish government. And what that helps do is... Um, identify talent and if you're an individual who wants to work within the biopharm sector it gives you free training so um, there's there's no cost to attend the training in Nybert and in other education providers um, you get a, uh, an accredited qualification um, be it a certificate or diploma or a master that you can build on over many years um, and that's we train around 800 people in that regard uh, every year and the people who are go through that program um, have very strong employment prospects so it's, it's a great program that's worked very well and there, there hasn't been any slowing down since you started there I imagine each year more and more um, uh, potential recruits come through your doors yeah so as I said the um, our, our numbers increase kind of year on year um, the amount of training programs that we deliver increases year on year amount of global partners some of the headline figures are um, we train four and a half thousand people a year. We launched our online academy about two years ago called NOAA um, to provide a whole range of kind of e-learning training programs. Um, and that's now we have people in 70 different countries availing that, over kind of 5,000 people on that platform. So there's a strong, very strong global demand, as you know, for biopharma talent. And it's one of the reasons we set up our global partners program um, to realize that Nybridge is one institution we can't train the world, but we can certainly have great partners like our friends in Philadelphia, the Jefferson Institute for Bioprocessing, a great partner up in Canada called Castle, um, and they're actually we're having they're going to be having an opening in two weeks' time. It's the Canadian Alliance for Skills and Training in Life Sciences, and um, they're opening their first facility in Charlottetown in Prince Edward Island, and then they'll be opening other facilities. Um, in Western Canada, Vancouver, and then also in Montreal. So, so it's almost like a franchise model. Right? That's so, exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, does it still have the? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, outside of England, does it still have the Irish government support, um, either financially or are they involved? Yeah. Those, so uh, I know they are. So it, it's when you mentioned when you asked kind of one of the reasons, you know, why is the industry in Ireland being successful, and it's. Um, it's due to the ecosystem in Ireland and the stakeholders and you know everyone kind of works collaboratively whether you're working in industry, academia or government and uh, our government supporters are, are wonderful supporters. The IDA is an excellent organisation. Um, they sit on our board, we work very closely with them and for example we've just, um, we are building an extension to focus on cell and gene therapies and that's uh, very kindly, that capital expansion is funded by the IDA. Um, so we have a very, a very close relationship with, with them and the wider government as well. I mean, it makes sense if, uh, if you train, if you, if you train uh, the workforce, the big multinationals will come and invest. So Yeah, it, it's certainly a key component. As you say, if you're um, a key decision maker in a multinational company and you're looking at sites or looking at possible locations, a key question you'll have is what is the talent there, is the expertise there? 
um, can I work with local organisations to, to create that pipeline of talent? So, so thank you, Nibra's in a position to uh, to provide those services to our clients. Um, Killian, I've got a couple of questions you may or may not want to talk about. No um, just because, well, you know, I see Nibra as the driving force of um, Irish bio manufacturing. Um, and there are obviously certain things that are happening in this world that are affecting global supply of drugs. Uh, one of them is, the, and this kind of feels like it's died down slightly, the rhetoric of um, on, um, onshoring, bringing in-country manufacturing. Um, you know, I, I kind of, this comes around every few years and I kind of roll my eyes because this yeah, is yeah. so global, it's so, uh, the supply chain is so complex, which may be a problem, but it's, 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 you know, a drug that's being made in Singapore is going to be um, injected into the arm of someone on the west coast of, 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 of uh, well, yeah. anywhere, really. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on sort of policies that are talking about um, bringing in country manufacturing in? As a, yeah, as a sure. Of, absolutely kind of understand the drivers behind it. Um, as you mentioned, Dan, this is this industry is a global industry and has been right the way from its inception. Um, there are good, strong global supply chains that are working and that are working well. That's not to say there's, there's not opportunity for improvement. Of course, there, are, there is, and I think we've seen a lot of that success, particularly uh, in the COVID environment, how, how quickly the industry responded, not alone to developing very effective vaccines, but then developing very strong supply chains to be able to meet that demand. Uh, really on a global basis in incredibly accelerated timeframes. Um, so as you mentioned, you, you've been around a long time and um, you've seen geopolitical issues and macroeconomic factors kind of, kind of wax and wane. Um, and uh, that's just, I think that's just part of the life cycle, just part of the, part of the environment. Uh, I guess on a similar note, um, and, and this is because it's my angry passion, um, coming from the UK, Brexit. Yes, um, yes. Uh, whatever ha is happening in my home country, it's it's pretty bad. But I'm wondering if for Ireland, as um, a uh, English-speaking and now more prominent member of the European mm -hmm. Union, if um, there have been new opportunities that have arisen from um, the UK voting to... Um, Lose many of its rights. In, um, yeah, no, there, 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 there probably has been. To be honest, it's um, Ireland is a is a very committed member of the Euro European Union, um, uh, really kind of across the board. Since we, Ireland's membership of the European Union since we joined in the early seventies has been uh, it's been very positive. Um, it's held in high regard by the populace in Ireland, so it's going, only going to grow and develop. Um, but for sure, it's it's. Um, as the UK regrettably, um, from our kind of perspective, um, stepped out of the European Union, if you're looking to make a foreign direct investment decision, it, it makes it more challenging for the UK to win those investment decisions. And you know, paradoxically, then from an Irish perspective, you know, we have full access to the 27 member countries, uh, full access to the regulatory system, very English-speaking, very kind of common culture uh, with the US, and of course, in Boston in particular. Um, so it's an attractive place to invest. Well, I think I've scratched my political itch there. Um, <laughs> I have one, one more uh, area I'd just like to briefly talk to you about, Liam. Yeah. Um, obviously, in this industry, you have to make partnerships, and at NIBA, you've made various partnerships with um, some of the bioprocess vendors, the, uh, the equipment makers. Yeah. Um, 
Can you talk me through how, or a couple of your partners, and how um, how you work with them? I guess well, I can kind of guess what they get out of it because it's their equipment that's being practiced on, and therefore um, their equipment, which is more likely to end up in the um, giant facility in Downing Court, for example. Um, um, talk, talk me through your vendor relationship. Yeah, so you know, the, the, the vendors, technology providers are a key part of the ecosystem. And actually, you know, they drive a lot of the innovation, as you know, in manufacturing. So, what we really want in the hybrid facility is for it to be a showcase, cutting edge facility of the, the latest technologies, and also almost a sandbox where new technologies can be evaluated. Um, so, we work with a wide variety of vendors. So, for example, on the research side, um, my good colleague, Professor Jonathan Bowens, has an excellent relationship with Thermo Fisher, um, really looking at developing their mass spec portfolio and their processes and their platforms um, and how that can be applied in, in biopharma manufacturing. Excellent relationship with clients like Saitiba, Hal, obviously now part of the Danaher Group, um, focused kind of on the training where we have access to their equipment. Um, that we, we integrate that into our training program so clients can be trained on that. But we're a key part of our philosophy is that we're, we're vendor neutral in that. What we like to we say to people is that you know we teach you how to drive. Um, we're kind of agnostic about kind of what car you you decide to purchase. Um, but for sure, the, a strong relationship with, with vendors uh, is a key part to be successful in this industry. Fantastic. Okay, finally, you mentioned the uh, the castle uh, project in Canada yes. opening up. Um, apart from that, what else is happening at Nibet? What else is on the horizon? Sure. So, kind of the big things is um, the expansion of our global partners. So, uh, castle going from strength to strength. Um, the extension, our extension for our cell and gene therapy facility. Um, which we had a, a ceremony on that just two weeks ago with our, our Deputy Prime Minister and soon to be Prime Minister and we'll be opening that in April of, of next year so looking forward to that. Um, we're putting a very strong focus on increasing the depth and breadth of our research teams. Um, we've got some interesting announcements coming in that space and again our research is very much focused on optimising biopharma manufacturing with a kind of key focus on analytical characterization of new advanced therapies, which is a, a really exciting area. Um, so we've, since we first met in 2013, we've been really delighted with the success of NIBIT um, and the broader industry. And as we look at kind of the next decade, um, we're, we're hugely optimistic both for the industry, the, um, the industry within Ireland, and also NIBIT as an institution. Good and always a pleasure talking. Thanks, Dan. Great to catch up.